How does a case of free beer sound? Our pals at Beer52 are offering listeners to Factitious a free case of eight craft beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash fact 22 and cover the meagre postage costs of £5.95 to claim your free case now. Did you know that Beer52 is the biggest beer club in the world? Each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, including Belgium, Czech Republic and America. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents. From big juicy pale ales to delicious sumptuous stouts, you can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light only case. If you haven't had your fill of facts from this week's podcast, you will also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment and a couple of tasty snacks. Even if, after all that, you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel your membership at any time. So that's beer52.com forward slash fact22 to claim your free case of eight craft beers now. That's beer52.com forward slash fact and the numbers 22. <laughs> a podcast which makes you question what you know and almost certainly go away knowing something you didn't know before. I'm Tom Harrison, <laughs> captain of the ship for this episode, and as always, I'm joined by my swashbuckling partner, Rob Graham. I'm not buying into this. <laughs> Hello. My deckhand, Rob Graham. How much of that was scripted? What did you write in your script just there? Say this in pirate voice. No, I did not. No, this is just that's just riffing off the curb. I'm pretty starling. Um, so yes, as always on Factitious, each week one of us will take on the role of the captain. There you go. There's a bit of editing for you. Uh, trawling through little-known buried facts about a range of topics, teaching the other using our three golden facts designed to shock, surprise, and wow our student. Now, I don't know if you caught what I was doing there, Rob, but you might be able to guess, even though I told you last week, what I would be talking about <laughs> Oh, this my week. cheeks hurt. Um, which is so unexpected. Um, it's Blackbeard, yeah. It I'm is very Blackbeard. excited for this one. Arguably the most famous pirate mm. of all time, would be fair to say. Now, you told me, after I revealed I was going to be talking about Blackbeard, that you had taught a few lessons in your school. I did. So, yeah, I had a my 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 topic for... So I teach sort of six and seven-year-olds, and my topic for them was A Pirate's Life for Me. So the uh, whole theme around my summer topic of learning with them was... Wasn't solely Blackbeard, but okay. it was it was pirate. So I, I can give some basic stuff about... Okay, then, then wow me. What do you know about um, Blackbeard? Oh, this is where I actually don't know that much. <laughs> um, I, his name was Edward Teach. Very good. I do know that much. Um, I can't remember exactly. He was, was he, he was sort of 18th century, wasn't he? 1700s? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he used to put like uh, explosives like in his beard. 
I feel yeah, like, not far yeah. off. Yeah, and so to create like a he so he walked through smoke then to create that sort of scariness. I hope that wasn't one of your golden facts. Uh, we'll get on to it. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but um, so yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to delve too deeply because I don't want to spoil anything that you might potentially say. But you've got a decent idea yeah. of who he was and when he was about. So I'm hoping you've taken your research yeah. quite seriously this week. <laughs> Absolutely, and I have to say, I had a lot of fun. Um, researching Blackbeard is a fascinating man. But um, yeah, a few basic facts then to introduce him, in case anyone isn't familiar. Blackbeard, yes, probably the most famous pirate of all time. His name was Edward Teach, or that's what we... The chances are that probably wasn't his true full name, because a lot of pirates used aliases and things Mm. like that. And it's also written across various texts as... Edward, but then it would be Teach or Thatch or Thack and Tack and all these slight variations. Um, But Teach is the one that we generally go by. Um, But yeah, his his true identity is shrouded in a little bit of mystery. Um, We don't know exactly when he was born. We think it was around 1680, but nobody's sure. Possibly in Bristol. Um, He was definitely English, but there are um, some cases think he may have been born in the Caribbean but it's a little bit unclear. Um, But we do know that he died on the 22nd of November, 1718, um, which we'll get on to a little bit later. But yes, you're right. So he was active in the early 18th century. So to do my research, uh, I consulted a few different sources, but I found an excellent book on Blackbeard, but pirates in general. um, And I found out this is kind of like the go-to book um, about piracy. Um, at least like the golden age of piracy. So it was written by a Charles Johnson and published in 1724. So we're a very relevant period of time, like just after the golden age of piracy. Nobody knows who Charles Johnson is. He claims to be Captain um, Charles Johnson, but there's no record of a Captain Charles Johnson. So this is a captain. You didn't have a ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is someone who claims to be kind of active around that time, whether they were a pirate or not. Yeah. um, Is a little bit unclear, but he has a lot of things to say about various pirates. Um, So it's called a general history of the pirates from their first rise and settlement in the island of Providence to the present time with the remarkable actions and adventures of the two female pirates, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. That's the full title, bit of a mouthful. Yeah, just go go with the shorter (laughs) version. The general is a a general history of pirates. Mary Reed I've heard of as well. Yeah, and it's a very, very fascinating read. Um, And I highly recommend you can access it on um, Project Gutenberg, which, if anyone's unfamiliar with, it kind of publishes um, like books where the authors died and the rights are sort of like in the yeah. public domain. You can access a whole load of books. I think things like Dracula and stuff, yeah. which are now in the public domain, you can you can read things like that. So it's a very good source um, for fine historic literature. And you don't have to commit piracy. Hey, very good. I like where we're going. So we are going to jump into golden fact number one then. And that is that while we might imagine Blackbeard to be this kind of legendary pirate who, you know, was the scourge of the seven seas for many years, actually his pirate career only lasted about two years. Wow. So kind of, what was it, drive drive fast, die young yeah. sort of thing for, for Blackbeard. So yeah, while we think of him, he's, as I say, probably the most famous, but actually he kind of... He gained his fame, or infamy, perhaps, very, very quickly and built his legend um, before burning out. And did he die as a result of his pirate antics? He did indeed. So we're going to take a little tour through his career and some of his kind of, like, um, 
his most uh, infamous act right. and then we'll kind of go to like how it all kind of came undone for him so little is known about his early career sort of pre-piracy um, it's believed he served in the Queen Anne's War which was a conflict between the sort of colonial empires of Britain France and Spain um, and it's alleged that he showed kind of great courage and like a bold attitude which is something we'll certainly get onto a bit later as you kind of have already alluded to um, but he wasn't awarded any kind of notable rank um, for his efforts in those wars. Um, so after that, he kind of left um, the Navy and settled in the Caribbean. And this is where his career as a, a privateer slash pirate then began when he joined up with a, a famous pirate name. You might have heard of Benjamin Hornigold. If, if you're into pirates, you'd probably know the name. Not sure. Not, no. No, it's quite famous. Um, so he agreed to join his crew, um, they think, in the late in late 1716. So this is, yeah, only two years before he's going to die. Um, so very, very short. Um, but he made quite an impression and quickly became Hornigold's uh, second in command. Can you tell me the name of Blackbeard's ship? I'm going to know it as soon as you say it. I can't, I can't remember. Uh, if you... I sort of hinted at it, maybe not directly, but I said something that might give you an idea. No, that it might no. have jogged your memory. Okay, so he uh, Blackbeard captured a French slave ship known as La Concorde and then renamed her the Queen Anne's Revenge, ah, yes, which yeah, ties yeah. into his um, part that he played in the war. And he equipped her with 40 guns, 20 sort of proper cannons, and then 20 smaller um, swivel guns. Um, and then manning the Queen Anne's Revenge and then some of his sloops which are sort of like um, sort of smaller vessels yeah. that kind of normally carry supplies and little bits and go to land and things carry messages whatever um, you know combined crew of about 300 men at his peak which is pretty impressive mm. not a bad operation going on and so with the Queen's and Revenge, he sailed the Caribbean, mainly the, the coast of America, actually. The Carolinas were kind of his area, um, understandably causing chaos. And he would regularly uh, hold up ships. He would charge tolls for people just simply sailing in and out of certain bays. And he'd generally just cause a bit of a nuisance. <laughs> um, and he would ransack ships, um, but his arguably his most famous act, which I wanted to talk about, was that in 1718 he blockaded the port of Charlestown, which is very famous. Sort of, it might even be the state capital of South Carolina. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and he basically held the whole town to ransom um, for medical supplies that but him and the crew needed. Just with his one ship and his... Well, and his... so... He basically started capturing ships one by one, yeah. which was kind of as his his practice out at sea, and then kind of built up enough captured ships where he could essentially block the whole right. port yeah. off. Um, so he would capture basically any ship that came through, whether it was a cargo ship, a merchant ship, like whatever. Um, and he managed to capture sailors and merchants and things, as well as actually quite a prominent uh, member of the Charlestown Council. And essentially held them hostage in exchange for these um, medical supplies that the crew desperately needed because the uh, the crew at the time were reported to be riddled with VD wow. and other illnesses. Yep. <laughs> uh, obviously, at sea, like hygiene is is quite poor. And then, of course, I imagine they enjoy themselves when they're <laughs> not off, at off sea. The ship. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, they they desperately needed these medical supplies. Um, 
So yeah, quite a, a, an act to hold a, an entire yeah. town hostage, and that kind of really um, cemented his legacy of like this is a guy not to be messed with. Like he has the power mm-hmm. to kind of bring a whole town to a standstill. But he was kind of undone um, by quite. A, I don't know, I'll let you decide whether it was a clever trap or not. But um, a lieutenant Robert Maynard um, was ordered by I believe the uh, the governor of Carolina. Um, to to take Blackbeard down, and so they knew the area that Blackbeard and the Queen Anne's Revenge were operating, and so he left his ship seemingly disabled, so the mast down, yeah. and ordered most of his crew off the deck to kind of give the impression that the ship was suffering abandoned, from issues yeah. and was largely abandoned. Yeah, and so naturally, Blackbeard, being the greedy man that he was, kind of thought this is e- this is an easy, easy day at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll just. I'll, I'll board, ransack the ship, and leave. Like, yeah. easy day. So, unfortunately, though, uh, Maynard had ordered all of his crew essentially below deck, and then as Blackbeard and his crew kind of just boarded casually, bam, bam, bang, bam. up yeah. they came. They outnumbered Blackbeard's crew, and so they catching them off guard, like a bloody battle kind of ensues. Um, and Blackbeard and Lieutenant Maynard clash um, directly, and Blackbeard suffered 20 lacerations by sword and five gunshot wounds wow. before he finally went down. He did. So <laughs> this is a man who could kind of lived up to his reputation yeah. of being this fearsome man. It took um, a lot to bring him down. Precisely, yeah. Um, and so from this book, The General History of Pirates, it said he stood his ground and fought with great fury till he received five and 20 wounds, five of them by shot. At length, he was cocking another pistol famously carrying three pairs slung across his shoulders, having fired several before he fell down dead. Wow. Poor old Blackbeard. Yeah, and Maynard kind of wanted to prove a point. He had to collect the bounty of Blackbeard, um, but to kind of then prove his point, he decapitated Blackbeard and stuck his head I think I knew this. on the front of his ship to, as a kind of warning yeah. to other pirates, like... He was your king. Well, I've, yeah. I've killed the king, so yeah. you need you fear me now. Um, and he sailed it back to town to claim the bounty, and then Blackbeard's head was put on a pike and then left outside the town as a constant warning. I think that's such a savage thing to do. Like of of all the things, like killing people is savage anyway. But like doing that as like a sign of dominance it's just i mean it's perfect for a sign of dominance it's just so barbaric yeah exactly and i think the idea is that people hated pirates because it was this uncivilized lawless sort of cowboy nature and then what do you do in response you go and you act more barbaric and again i'm referring back to parts of the caribbean but one of the bits that always sticks in my mind from that initial film is when they're um bringing the ship in and they and they sail past those pirates that are, that have been hanged, yeah, and there's like just and skeletons left. that are just hanging from this hanging bit of wood that's up there. Yeah, you're like actually, it didn't do enough to put pirates off, did it? Yeah, like, no, it turns not. out they're quite um, steadfast when they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moving on to golden fact number two, then, and that is, despite his reputation as a fearsome and deadly pirate. He wasn't as murderous or bloodthirsty as you might think. So, 
In fact, according to the Smithsonian, so quite a reputable source, there are no verified accounts of him ever killing or torturing his captives, or anyone at all for that matter, until his final showdown and fight to the death um, with Maynard and his crew. But is that because he didn't do the killing and he just got people to do it for him? Is that a bit like saying like the general of the army didn't kill anybody, but actually he, he, well, he led them into battle, he just didn't physically pull the trigger? Mm, that's a very good question. And while there's no... It's hard, it's impossible mm. to kind of say because, you know, there wasn't CCTV on the yeah. Queen Andrew Revenge, but there are no verified accounts and there are actually some evidence to suggest that he wasn't a... He didn't use violence unless he had to, which yeah. is what happened at the end. So he... And you kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, is that he was really clever and that he used his reputation and image, quite literally, and his appearance, to spread fear and coerce people into yeah. doing what he wanted. And so there was there was never a need for excessive violence. So um, I found the account of a Henry Bostock, who was a captain of a merchant ship that Blackbeard captured... Um, and he kind of he survived and gave his account is that Blackbeard took control of the ship and um, Bostock and his crew were held for eight hours while the ship and all the cargo was basically just ransacked and taken aboard the, the Queen Anne's Revenge so obviously a bad day at the office for Henry um, but after that Blackbeard simply he let the captain and all of the crew return to their ship unharmed and just said off you go I've taken what I want you can go now which I guess, yeah, is a, is a method in itself, isn't it? Of just, I don't need to kill you for you to do exactly what I want you to do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he's, um, the kind of like, I don't know, the aura around him was so fearsome that people just immediately surrendered. And you get gangsters that are like that, don't you? Like some gangsters, like the craze managed to do so much without needing... I mean, obviously, they, they killed a lot of people. I was going to say, that's the difference, is that the craze, there was a lot of records of But them. how much of them, and how much of other gangsters, is just built on reputation? You never need to see them to actually know... Yeah. There must be a level of power with that, where you just go, I don't actually need... I, like like that, that story with Henry Bostock, like, you are, you are so weak and so pathetic... That I can literally walk on, do this. If I told you to to kneel down and kiss my feet, you you yeah. do it because I because you know I can kill you if I want to. Yeah, and that was the image that he created. Yeah. So he was smart enough to realise that image could do a lot of the work mm. for him. So um, yeah, he in this book that Charles Johnson wrote, he claims that basically Teach knew, and even like his name. So he claims that. He, Blackbeard knew that famous men, like, you kind of need a hook, yes. as it were. Not a poor, little hook. Poor yeah. pun, yeah. Um, and he knew that famous men in history, like, think of, like, Roman emperors and stuff, they go, mm. like, by Nero and, yeah. you know, Beyonce. Like, then you kind of, like, brand <laughs> yourself or whatever. We're the Holy Trinity. <laughs> so he took, he knew that one of his, you know, he, he had this enormous black beard and people would comment on it. So he goes, right, okay, That's I'll adopt hook. that, yeah. that, that moniker. Um, and that will, it's a lot easier to um, remember than Edward Teach, yeah. especially when he kind of, perhaps that wasn't his real name anyway, so Blackbeard sounds way cooler. Um, and so Charles uh, Johnson goes on to describe um, 
teach. And he says, uh, from that large quantity of hair, which like a frightful meteor covered his whole face and frightened America more than any comet that has appeared there in a long time. Not quite sure what he's on about with <laughs> comets there. The beard was black, which he suffered to grow of an extravagant length as to breadth. It came up to his eyes. He was accustomed to twist it with ribbons in small tails. Came up to his eyes? Yeah. It's like a... He's like a bear. Like, yeah. <laughs> So I think, take this with a pinch of salt, I think there's some artistic liberties. I love the way that Johnson writes in this book. Um, It says, in times of action, he wore a sling over his shoulders with three brace of pistols hanging in holsters like bandoliers and stuck lit matches and slow fuses under his hat and in his beard, which appearing on each side of his face, his eyes naturally looking fierce and wild made him altogether such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightful. I mean, he sounds terrifying. Yeah, I mean, what an, some imagery there. He sounds like, you know those guys, like, you always hear about those, like, the the paratroopers and, like, the, the army guys when they go on nights out and they're, like, they do the games of who can set, who set fire to your beard and then see if you can neck your pint before the fire, yeah. before the fire <laughs> takes your whole beard. That literally sounds a bit of Blackbeard's deal. Yeah, so he kind of, he knew that this image, by doing things like you mentioned earlier, that you'd heard the stories about him putting matches mm. and these fuses, the idea is that he would literally be smoking as he boards your ship. So he would do that just about as he was about to board. And people would be like, bloody hell, like, he's yeah. this maniac. And instantly, you'd fear someone. And also, presumably, there's an element of... Um, not surprise as much, but if he's arriving in a massive cloud of smoke, A, that makes him look scarier, but also makes it slightly hard to distinguish. I don't know how much smoke there was. I don't know. You've eloquently described his beard or, or Charles <laughs> Johnson has, but I don't know how much smoke is generated from that. No. Like, I'm surely not it's sure. not going to be enough. It's not like coming out with a back of stars in your eyes. Where... <laughs> Great reference. I think he did throw... Um, sort of like makeshift, grenade like type grenade things, type yeah. things that would cause smoke, and then he would kind of appear through it all ablaze, or not ablaze, but with sparks flying, right, maybe, okay. and things like that. Very menacing. So... Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be <laughs> Blackbeard. Terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, he clearly, there was a sense of showmanship, I yeah. guess, that he knew that if he did these things, he didn't have to resort to violence because everyone feared him. Mm. He became so infamous so quickly that captains. As soon as they knew it was him, they were just like, hands up, yeah, yeah, all right, fair game, take what you want. And so he would just step aboard and go, right, boys, load it up. And then, mm. thanks, didn't need to kill anyone. So we're going to move on to golden fact number three then. And that is, I couldn't resist, is that this idea that there is a legend of Blackbeard's buried treasure. Of course there um, is. So, is this like the Atlantis episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you be the judge of it. So... Other than his famous reputation of being this fearsome pirate, which we've all discussed, and obviously his famous Blackbeard, the other um, kind of part of his legend is this idea of a, a buried treasure. Um, the wreck of the Queen Anne's Revenge was discovered off the... Well, they think it was the Queen's Anne, Queen Anne's Revenge um, in 1996 off the coast of North Carolina. Some sort of salvage... Um, uh, workers sort of scuba diving the area actually looking for another wreck and then stumbled upon hang on a minute what's this it's mm. a pirate ship um, and hundreds of artefacts were recovered from the site um, and I think it's still ongoing actually the 
regularly kind of going back down uh, to salvage things. Um, but when Blackbeard was killed, as I say, on the 22nd of November 1718, um, his ship was ransacked by Lieutenant Maynard and his crew, um, and a great deal of that wealth was sold off. So I found in a 1718 ledger in North Carolina, um, it says that the ware seized from Blackbeard's ship sold at market for £2,500 following his death. Would you like to care to imagine what that would be worth today in 1718, 300 years ago? I feel like I'm going to say a number that's either really stupidly <laughs> low or really stupidly high. Uh, five million. Well, according to Forbes, it would be worth 12.5 million wow. today. Which is obviously a huge amount. But actually, I then looked at some comparisons to other famous pirates, and this is chump change. Mm. So the highest earning pirate was believed to be Samuel Black Sam Bellamy, who was an Englishman, who plundered an estimated $120 million um, over the course of his career. In second place, with career earnings of about $115 million, is a name you will have heard of, Sir Francis Drake, who you won't perhaps necessarily imagine as being, you know, associating with piracy, um, but after his, um, after he saved England from the Spanish Armada, he was essentially a privateer. Um, he profited massively, um, sort of under free reign yeah. from the the British government and uh, royal family. And what was um, his what was his total? One hundred and fifteen million dollars. So just short of uh, Black Sam, but. So, yeah, Black, Blackbeard is small fry. Yeah. Um, and then in third place was Thomas Chew, another Englishman who earned a whopping $102 million. So, yeah, Blackbeard is about 10%. And, in fact, his earnings are just allow him to scrape into the top 10. So he's number 10 for, like, oh. wealthiest pirates. Just goes to show how much having a big black beard is... <laughs> enough to drive your reputation like we we don't think of Francis Drake like everybody listening to this or most people listening to this will have heard of Francis Drake but you wouldn't associate him with being a pirate like you said would you like that's yeah. not the first thing that comes into your head you think of the Spanish Armada yeah hero I've never even heard of that what did you say Black, Black Sam, Sam. Sam never Bellamy. even heard yeah. of him no I hadn't either in fairness um, as I say, Blackbeard is the kind of number yeah. one. I'd known about Benjamin Hornigold, who was his mentor. I know maybe um, one or two other names. Um, but yeah, I'd never heard of some of these. But um, yeah, it's important to remember Blackbeard was only active for about two years. So yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah, going he didn't have a career years. really, did he? No. But as I suggested, there's this idea of a buried treasure. So maybe there's much more than this $12 million. So Blackbeard had claimed to several other people that there was a great treasure out there somewhere in a hidden location known only to him and the devil, which has sparked kind of one of the most famous treasure hunts Mm. in history. It's this idea that there's this enormous um, treasure chest. Do you think it might have just been a bit of a chest puffing out? Well, exactly. And we've talked about this idea of Blackbeard knew how to kind of create this air of mystery about himself. So why not throw in... Oh yeah, there's El Dorado yeah. Yeah. worth yeah. of treasure um, buried somewhere. Um, so there are some ideas of where this buried tre- treasure could be based on kind of like where he spent his time. So 
he spent most of his time, as I mentioned, sailing up and down the, the coast of America, around the Carolinas. Um, but that leaves hundreds of miles of coastline mm. to uh, to choose from. Um, and it obviously has been searched by enthusiasts. There was one area, um, I believe I'm hoping I'm sounding the, uh, pronouncing this correctly, Ocracoke Island in North Carolina. That was a, one of his favourite places um, to kind of dock. Um but when you consider this island is only nine square miles and people have been searching for 300 years, you would think that probably, probably if, if it was there, yeah. they'd probably have found it. Um, and unfortunately, it's it's unlikely that Blackbeard buried this great treasure away because it, it's just not something that pirates did. There's this kind of romantic idea of the, the treasure map with yeah. an X on it, X marks the spot. But Actually, that... they just kind of took it with them where they went. Yeah, exactly. They, they live at sea, so they want their wealth yeah. largely with them. Now, some pirates did. Um, I think it was Tom, Thomas Teach, I think, uh, was his name, was the one, uh, number three, the $102 million. He famously had a chest buried with a, a lot of yeah. gold and things in, but you'd want it with you, and you mm. wouldn't want to leave it somewhere. Um, so this idea of treasure maps with big X's um, is like the kind of romance around that comes from books and cinema. You name the the famous book that was made into a film that kind oh of pirates, the Hornblower ones. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm not as well versed. There's a very famous book and film. No. Treasure Island. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't even think about so that. So that's kind yeah. of where I think that also might be where the whole. Um, your voice that I expertly demonstrated at the beginning of this episode. Um, I think that might have come from Treasure Island as well. I don't think there's this idea that all pirates just adopted this strange accent. That sounds fun. Well, but that accent that people do when they talk about pirates is weirdly quite Bristolian. Yeah, very true, actually. I was just coming to, yeah. And he was, yeah. So it could allegedly be. Allegedly from Bar. And you are going to have quite a lot of. Um, pirates are obviously going to be from that neck of the woods because it's a port. Yeah. So like, you're not going to get pirates from Nottingham, are you? Like. Yeah. So maybe there was a little bit of that. Maybe not as extreme as your minorities. Yeah. But yeah, a little bit of. Bit a bit of that sort of like Ooh. West Country <laughs> twang. Yeah. That might be maybe get off yeah. my share. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing as well, even if he had buried this great treasure um, treasure away. Most of Blackbeard's loot, as well as a lot of other pirates, to be honest, was in the form of things like sugar and cocoa, which were hugely valuable at the time of yeah. his, um, like, like the height of his power. But of course, now any chump can go to a supermarket and buy a bag of sugar, costs like a quid. So yeah. the the value loss, and then you also have to think all this stuff has been buried, is it even in, like, a good state to be yes, sold? Yeah. Is it, like, intact? Um, but even if you could, it would be far less valuable than it was if you'd managed to stumble across it. I'm sure there was some gold and things that he had as well, but it's not known that he actually buried it away. And as I say, no one's found it. So probably a bit of bravado from Blackbeard kind of continuing to build that myth. Yeah. Well, 12 million still not to be sniffed at, yeah, is it? Yeah, he certainly did all right. For two years' work, I don't yeah. think anyone here would uh, would sniff at that. Um, and that brings the, the kind of the tale of Blackbeard to an end. Well, um, I enjoyed that. That was a, a a different way. It's nice to do like a person, but that brings us on really nicely to next week. Yes. So my topic, I'm going slightly more abstract, so I'm going to do blood. Blood. The concept of blood. <laughs> Some facts, I mean... 
at the point of recording this episode, I haven't written my episode, <laughs> so I, I don't know what quite what angle that's going to take. I think you go so many different directions yeah. with that. I mean, ultimate. I, I'm actually really interested to see what you come up with because ultimately, without it, we drop dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we've all got it. Some people are squeamish about it. Some, Some people, people have. Are... And all the things with, and we can pull this into next week, but like, so many different. Why do we have different blood types? Yeah. Like, why? Like, why? Why do. Why do people have anemia? All these sorts of things are actually like really fascinating things to try and to try and pull apart. So I'm gonna finish recording this episode and then start start researching mine. So that is that is what's coming up next week. Lovely. And then beyond that, we shall see because we're fast rattling through. We are. This is we? this is episode five, isn't it? Yeah. So um, we're approaching the halfway point. Yeah. Of the so series already. By the time you're hearing this, we we may well have sort of decided on what the, the topics are for the, for the rest of the series because we kind of have a, a very informal looking note that we share on our phones um, where we just write R or T next to it <laughs> to decide who's going to do that one. So I'll have a look on the list, see what's coming up after Blood and then obviously if you are one of our, our patrons and you've got a... Excellent segue. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and you've got a suggestion for, a, for an episode you'd like to do, then get in touch. Yes, so shout out to our genius uh, yes. tier patrons. So a big shout out to Sarah McDaniel, Rob Craig, Mike Kavanagh and Stuart Hill. Uh, they are our geniuses. They support us um, in the same way that all the patrons do um, each month. They just they just give us slightly more money. <laughs> so they get a whole load of benefits. I'm not going to rattle through them all now, but there are sort of three tiers of benefits ranging from early access which everyone gets early access and and ad free all the way up to the geniuses who get the chance to pose questions to us suggest topics and obviously get their names shouted out weekly so have a have a look on patreon.com forward slash factitious if you are interested in that yeah i'll leave a link in the description as well of course and then i will continue my beautiful segueing of shouting out websites by giving you our social media channels so if you do want to get in contact with us let us know what you think of the episode, anything else you want to kind of tell us, then our Twitter is at FactitiousPod, and it's the same on Instagram as well, and then on Facebook, Factitious Podcast. but to be fair, Twitter and Instagram tend to be the two main sort of channels that we yeah. go down, and if you want to send us an email, it's FactitiousPodcast at gmail.com. Lovely. Well, I think that wraps us up, doesn't it? It does. So, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Join us next week for Blood... And um, I don't know where I'm going with this. You're saying, (laughs) I'm hoping you're going to say bye to me. Yeah. (laughs) Bye.